Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. Uh, I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Hattricks, baby! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake. This week, we got a nice and interesting interview, once again, from an alumni of the Danbury Hattricks, that being former goaltender Dylan Kelly, who's currently doing great things in the ECHL right now. But before we get into that interview, I just want to talk about this past week with the current team. Um, our Definitely a rough slate against the Binghamton Black Bears. Two games on the road and one at home. That first game being just the day before Thanksgiving in Binghamton, resulting in a 6-2 to two final score, being a loss for the Hattricks. And unfortunately, we just could not find any rhythm in that game. I mean, McKittrick got a goal on that, and so did um, Sam Dombrowski. So... You know, it's it was a rough game to say the least. I know that that's a hard barn for us to play in. So we moved on to the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. More of a tight game. Ended up being a 5-4 to four loss in the shootout. Um, I will say Danbury definitely did play a little better in this game. Um, really, if if I could blame this shootout on anything, it's it's that one lucky bounce that Binghamton had. Um, otherwise, I don't think that the game would have went into a shootout. I think we would have won that in regulation, you know, three to four or four to three or whatever it was before that goal went in. So, honestly, you know, you sometimes you can't win them all like that. But at the same time, you know, I, I think we played a stronger game. Then we went back to Binghamton, had a similar kind of repeat from the November 22nd game this time a 5-2 to two loss in Binghamton. Uh, just, I, it's really rough this year um, getting things going in Binghamton. Um, I wish I could really tell you what goes on. I don't know if it's just how that building is or, or what it could be for our guys, you know, just trying to get, you know, the, the pipes going or whatever. But it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was a rough, rough week to say the least. Um definitely interesting with that Friday game considering um, Brent Sherwood coming in disguise uh, for that game and sitting in the stands until he revealed himself towards the end which later got him thrown out um, which is weird because usually with the suspension you're not supposed to be in the building regardless of being a spectator or not Um, so you know rightfully so they kicked him out Um, but you know I, the lengths these guys go through for for that kind of thing, it, it doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, th- this weekend, it's going to be a brand new weekend. We'll be playing against Motor City for the first time since last year and also for the first time since they got put into the Empire Division. Currently, Motor City sits at second place in the Empire right behind Binghamton with 11 games played. Through that, they have seven regulation wins, no regulation losses, three overtime losses, and an overtime win. 
sitting them with 26 points here in the standings. Danbury currently with 14 games played, five regulation wins, seven losses in regulation, one overtime loss, and one shootout win with 18 points there for third place. Um, this, you know, this Motor City team is it's it's a good one this year. I'll say that, but I. I think I have some hope, some confidence that, you know, these guys will be able to get the best of them considering they have to make that road trip up from Michigan. So we might be able to get them there on that Friday night. I think the Saturday night they might have their bearings a little better, so it'll be a bit of a closer game. Um, Definitely looking forward to see what happens this weekend, but I have our faith in the guys that we'll be able to hopefully pull out two wins from this weekend, make it a big positive weekend to start off the month of December. And then, you know, also speaking of alumni goaltenders, Brian Wilson has been tearing it up in the SPHL recently, and through 10 games played, he has a goals allowed average of 1.98, giving him an excellent save percentage at .929 with a 5-4 and four record as a starter. So, I mean, congratulations to him on what he's doing out there. I mean, he's been playing some wild games. I know it's kind of weird for one of those losses where... Uh, Brendan Dowler, funny enough, got the game winner scored on him when Knoxville played against Huntsville earlier on this season. So definitely kind of interesting to see the two teammates clash. But at the same time, um, this man is is going buck wild again. I mean, brick wall type deal. That's That was always his game down here. I knew he's going to do great things. And obviously he's doing really great considering he just got called up to the ECHL to the Newfoundland Growlers, which is the Maple Leafs uh, AA affiliates there. So he got to be on the bench last night at the re- time of this recording, um, playing against the Idaho Steelheads. They ended up winning 5-4 to four in a shootout. Um, that's Newfoundland won that game, 5-4 to four in a shootout. So hopefully Willie can get a start up there, and obviously congrats to him. And last week, if you missed it, episode 38, we had Michael Marcusan on the show to kind of recap what he's been doing over the summer and how he's been, you know, kind of adjusting to that ECHL level of play. And shortly after that episode got released, he ended up scoring two goals in the game. So as of right now, through 13 games played, he has three goals and four assists for a total of seven points as well as seven PIMS. I know five of those came from that great fight that he had. Um, about a week or so ago so congratulations to the both of those guys for doing their thing out there on the coast and um, yeah again hopefully we can pull out two wins against Motor City this weekend I'm excited to see what happens so to be back in the back in the barn as always and um, yeah so stay tuned on Hattrick City for this very excellent interview we had with Dylan Kelly how we doing fellas doing good doing good what's happening on your end dk where where are you right now on the check-in i guess you're with kansas city now yep yeah still still in kansas city so we take what? off tomorrow morning bright and early for uh worcester actually are you guys flying or driving we're flying so we'll, we'll play uh tomorrow's like this is like our out of conference road trip we do like one of those a year uh-huh. um and this year we're going to we go to worcester for a kids game on wednesday at 10 in the morning Wow. And then we play Friday, Saturday in Maine, and then we'll come home. Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of rough how that in the in the ECHL that out of division or uh, road game. I mean, you could be in Orlando or Estero or uh, yeah, any of these. Oh, other, yeah. Uh, South Carolina, I guess, probably nice this time of year, mm. but I guess you guys drew New England. So, <laughs> uh, last year we went to Florida and it was unreal. So yeah, that was that was nice. That was a treat. We spent up like a whole week down there. You know, um, Dylan, you were here part of that great um 2019-2020 season that kind of just uh, unfortunately lost uh, uh turned into a case of what could be because of COVID, uh, what could have been and probably what should have been. But um, why don't you why don't you take us through your background? You know, I mean, you were here. You had that great, um, impressive time here with the hat tricks, and then, um, through perseverance and sticking around, you you played some games in the AHL just a couple seasons ago. Um, could you take us through your beginning of your career and where you're from? Yeah, sure. So I'm from Petoskey, Michigan. I uh, my path has definitely been unorthodox to say the least. I was actually a player until I was a freshman in high school. Wow. Played like played like double A. Where I was from, there wasn't a whole lot of triple A. There was a couple teams like the Sioux Indians, but that was two hours north from me. And then I think uh the o- Ojibwa Eagles was one up <laughs> in I want to say Houghton was a triple A program. I don't think either were like very strong. They weren't like the little Caesars or um, you know, honey baked stuff like that. That's all down like the Detroit area. But that was like four hours from me. Those other two teams were, you know, four hours north of me. So there wasn't really AAA hockey where I was growing up. So I pretty much grew up playing house and then like double-A hockey. Um, sorry, go ahead. I'm sensing a really interesting story about how you became a goalie. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, <laughs> fresh Freshman year. So I, I'd always, I've always loved goalies. I'd never played. I was a pretty good forward. But I always loved the gear. And I'd like at tournaments and stuff, I'd make friends with the goalies on the other team and um all that good stuff and always play with their equipment i thought it was cool i uh when i was when i was really little we would go to this like detroit red wings uh summer summer camp for kids and on like the last day you get a get a picture in anyone's stall and i don't like there's like three years in a row it was the goalie stall that here i am like get my picture in front of like never strapped pads on before but um Freshman year, I finally was just like, yeah, I'm doing it. Like me, we uh, like needed a goalie in like our end of the year tournament, my eighth grade year. And I was like, yeah, screw it. I'll do it. Like I'll hop in. And I did pretty well. We won the tournament. I got a shutout in the final. So I was like, ah, all right, sick. Like finally get to, I get to, finally get to play goalie. I loved it. I had some success. And uh, I was like, yep, I'm sticking with it. And then freshman year was like my first full year as a goalie. And I played house hockey. Because uh, in high school, you only play like, I don't know, 25 to like 30 some games maybe. And I had an older, I would have had an older like partner and maybe I played 10 games. I've never really played goalie before. So my dad was like, well, if you, my parents were kind of like, well, if you really want to play goalie, like you'll play house this year and you play a lot more games, obviously. And it all, I also had a goalie partner for the first time. Like it was also my first time kind of understanding, Hey, you don't get to play every game either. Like as a goalie, right? Like there's just a lot of things being a goalie, you learn that like, you know, you don't really realize when you're just a player out there trying to rip around and score goals. So they're like, yeah, we'll see how you like playing goalie for a full year. And we'll see how you like sitting on the bench. 
and uh we had a good year like it went it was good like i was loving it I, even sitting on the bench i just like being in the gear like, like yeah. and uh you know it, it was all good and dandy so then the next my sophomore junior year i played high school hockey we weren't very good i think uh my junior year we won three games or something two of them were shutouts wow um yeah so but i got a lot of shots you know got a lot of good experience and I was playing catch up at that point. Senior year, I decided to try and like leave where I was from and go downstate to start playing junior just so I had a better chance of, I really didn't know what junior hockey was, but uh, I made an NA3 team, the Metro Jets. Mm. Um, Is and, that out of Detroit? Uh, yeah, out of Waterford. So I moved down there, went to high school down there. So I still really didn't understand kind of what I was doing either. I got called up to the North American League uh, to Port Huron, they just needed a goalie, like, like an e-bug or something. And we were close and they're like, my goal, my coaches were like, Hey, you're going to go back up here tonight. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I, uh, you know, I had no idea really what the NA was, the steps like tier three, tier two, tier one. Like it really took a lot of like figuring that out as I went, when I got down there, just, you don't know of any of that, like where I was from. So um, had a really good year, actually, my senior year in the NA3. I think I played like 31 games, got a lot of experience. I got called to the USHL like at the end of that year to be kind of like an emergency backup as well and got in a game. So here I am. I'm like 16. It's my fourth year as a goalie. I remember getting tossed in that game. My mom was in the stands. I'm like, I'm going to play Division One. <laughs> I was like saying that to myself. Like I ended up giving them like two on nine or whatever, but in, in one period, but like, I was like, dude, you've been a goalie for four years or already playing in the USHL. Like you just learned what this shit even was. Yeah. Laughing. Got it. Got hockey by the balls. And then you get humbled real quick, but uh, played pretty much played the next two years in the North American league. Um, I made Dubuque out of camp the next year, but they sent me to the NA starting Corpus Christi got released from there, picked up by the Michigan warriors was there the rest of that season. Um, more of a backup role the next year came back to Michigan, the Michigan Warriors, which I guess are now technically the Flint Firebirds. Um, yeah, it was at the Flint team in the NAHL was what I was about. Yeah. To yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we were in the NA and then uh, once they folded, that's when the Firebirds came in and like moved and uh, did what they're doing now. But um, yeah. And then at the trade deadline of that year, Austin needed a goalie. They traded for me. They needed like another guy. They were going on a playoff run. So I got traded to Austin my last year of junior. Went on a Robbie Cup run with them. I was the backup. Nick Lair, shout out to him if he's watching this, but um, hell of a goalie. Was nasty uh, in the North American League. Put up some stupid numbers and um, went on to play at University of Minnesota. But we lost in the Robbie Cup final that year in Alaska. That was pretty cool. And then I uh, decided to go to school. I went I went into school a year early, went to Adrian um, College where I played NCAA Division Three, And then, uh, yeah, honestly, it was just a backup pretty much like kind of like the Alex Moran of D3 hockey. You know, <laughs> if you've seen Blue Mountain State, kind of just like hanging out, glue guy. Like we were a nasty team. We were a wagon. We were like one in the nation all four years I was there. So pretty much any game I was getting in, it's like you knew – I knew as long as I don't give up seven goals, we're going to win type deal. So it was just like pretty laid back. I think I lost one game in my college career, had like 20 wins in like four years or something like that. Like 
didn't play a whole lot. My senior year was the year I played the most. I played 11 games and I put up some stupid numbers. And yeah. then that kind of what helped me get into pro hockey. So like, uh, um, I'm kind of, we're, we're kind of familiar with Adrian. It seems like there's a lot of guys around the fed right now who have yep. come out of that school. And I'm pretty, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Maybe you could kind of clarify, but I think there's like, in addition to the division three NCAA team, I hear there's like four club teams. Yeah. Adrian pretty much. So to my understanding, kind of their business model, when they were revamping the school type deal or just trying to grow it and make, make it bigger and better uh, was let's build very nice athletic facilities and recruit athletes. And when we have nice facilities, good athletes are going to want to come here. So I'd say, I forget what it, it's probably higher now, if I'm being honest with you, but when I went to school there, I want to say 81 to 82 or 83% of students were athletes at wow. Adrian college. Yeah. So there's a, you know, hockey alone, there's a men and women's NCAA division three, uh, men and women's D one club, a men and women's D two club, a men's D three club. And then I want to say, I don't think there's a a third D three club girls team, but, and then we've, there's probably like six different figure skating, synchronized skating teams there. There's a bass fishing team. Wow. They got these sick ass custom wrap boats and stuff. It's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's pretty cool what they're doing over there with, with the school. And um, yeah, I'm uh, pretty proud to have be a bulldog. Well, that's what I was going to say, you know, just looking at your, your stats and, you know, sometimes kids nowadays, um, you know, some of the junior kids that we even talk to, they're, sometimes they're dismissive of the college thing or whatever. What, I mean, as a guy who um, decided to become a goalie much later than, than probably much later, I think than most guys who, who get into it seriously, did you feel like you really kind of, um, you know, studied in on the craft of being a goalie while you were in college or was it later on that you got more of your more in depth with it? Um, honestly, I think, I remember even again, like right before I was a goalie or when I first started getting into goalie, I'd watch YouTube videos. I'd just sit there and watch. I'd type in like goalies that I liked in the NHL, like um, Michael Neuverth warm up video. And there's always someone out there who records the freaking goalie during warm ups. And I would just sit there and watch those videos over and over and just study like their movements, what they do, how they move, their body language, how they, you know, just all these things. And kind of just like monkey see monkey do. So when I first started playing goalie, I, I, you know, I knew, I didn't really know what shit was called, but I knew like how to butterfly slide. I knew how to, you know, shimmy and do some of these things that is uh, just from like watching videos and whatnot and being kind of just a little goalie freak. But definitely in college gave me a lot of time to um, work with a goalie coach. And that was probably my, one of my first, not one of my first goalie coaches, but I had a guy there that I could see at least weekly um, during the season. You know, I've got a guy, Rob Liddell, who I've been working with in the summers um, pretty much consistently since I got to college. He's been a, a huge help in me getting to where I'm at today. And I don't think I'd be here if it wasn't for him. But um, yeah, college, you just have so much extra ice time. You have great facilities, like a good weight room. It really gave me the opportunity to dive into the weight room uh, and spend extra time on the ice and just, um, you know, 
I think the thing I was always lacking though, was just like the game reps. I think that's the toughest part is like, you know, I was always out there all day, every day on the ice, but um, you know, the game reps are important for sure. Tell me a little bit about um, as a, you know, we, we, we here in the federal hockey league in the trenches of the federal hockey league, you know, we, we are starting to see um, division one goalies. I mean, it's all, listen, it's all NCAA D three goalies mostly. Um, mm-hmm. We're starting to see some division one goalies hanging around. Obviously we had a guy named Brian Wilson uh, who was, who was um, with us the last couple of seasons, but what was that process like for you as a more or less a backup goalie, most of your career in college and then you get into 11 games as a as a senior. What was that process of pursuing professional hockey like for you? Did you have an advisor? Did you have this and that working for you? Um, honestly, I think about this often, too, because uh, I look back. It's like, how the hell did you ever think you were going to play pro hockey with, like, 25 college games played or <laughs> something like that? And I really just never had a doubt. I just always, like, had it in my mind, just like, yeah, I'm going to play pro hockey after this that's just what's next. Yeah. It's just always in my head. That's what I was working towards going into my senior year. Like I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm this year is preparing me to go, you know, play pro hockey. Like at the end of my senior season, I'm going to go play, you know, uh, this is for me to prepare to go play my first pro game. You know, whether I was the guy in college or not, I, I always knew and believed I was like, I've, I'm a pro goalie. I've got the size. I can move. I can skate the way I play is I, I, I play a pro pro style game and I knew I always kind of had that in me to go do it and it was kind of just a matter of uh you know the opportunity I never really had like a full-on like someone an advisor an agent that I paid I guess up until I started playing in like the ECHL and American League and um you know up maybe the last four or five years or three probably three years I've been paying a guy for for advising or while well, he's my agent now, but um, I never really had anyone like that in college. I had, you know, people that uh, who were those who would talk to me and I would, you know, keep in touch with or whatever, but no one that I officially worked with, I'd say. And I tell kids that I train this all the time, like your best agent or advisor is going to be your teammates and your coaches. Ultimately any advisor or agent who calls a coach to, you know, pump your tires he knows that you're probably getting paid to pump your tires. So, right. I mean, is he going to lie? Not completely because his, you know, his reputation and integrity is on the line too as, as a reputable agent, right? So like these coaches do rely on some of these agents to kind of help with their scouting and whatnot. But um, you can't lie completely. But at the same time, I am his guy. He's not going to like be like, eh, well, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So but a, a head coach is also going to know you through and through as a human being and as a player. Um, and I think, you know, my head coach at Adrian, Adam Krug really helped me get uh, my first opportunities in pro hockey. And then in, kind of from there, it's just, you got to make the most of it. Um, coming from a high end D three program. I think that really helped me. And I did have some really good numbers my senior year. Um, so I was able to go to the coast right away, which I think is also big like that at least that first summer now having like it's on my elite prospects that I was in, you know, Norfolk. Right. I, I did play in a game. I dressed for two games. So now I'm coming from the coast. Uh, it makes it a little bit easier to at least sign an SP deal. Right. 
Well, let, um, let me ask you, you, you uh, like a lot of college seniors in, in college hockey, you get that those initial uh, pro opportunities right there uh, at the end of senior year, usually for mm-hmm. many. Sometimes it's, I mean, obviously we've seen it as high in the AHL and the NHL. You've, you've seen it oh, yeah. times, but I mean, for, for many college seniors, especially from the D3 ranks, it usually comes, it usually comes in the, in the ECHL or possibly the SP or the fed. But mm-hmm. how did you get that opportunity specifically with Norfolk? How did it work? Is it just a random phone call that comes through? Is it a DM? How, how does it work these days? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, everything went through my head coach. Um, I, um, was trying to sign, I almost signed in the SP, like maybe a week, uh, a few days ago earlier before. And, um, that fell through. So at that point I was kind of, it had been like a week, maybe two weeks since our season had ended. So the window of like signing to go do something before, you know, the end of the year was kind of like closing. So it was kind of, I was kind of getting to the point where I was like, oh, okay, well shit, like it might not be, you know might not be signing somewhere to go play a couple games this year. I'm just going to have to wait and sign a contract in the summer or PTO or whatever. Um, and then I got a call from my, my coach. I'm walking to sign language class <laughs> and I got a call from my coach, uh, Adam Krug telling me, Hey, like Norfolk's going to give you a call here. They need a guy. They're going to bring you and Taylor McCloy, who was actually my freshman roommate as well. Um, so it was pretty cool that, you know, we came in freshman roomies together at Adrian. Now we're both going off, hopping on a flight together to go play our first pro games together. So it was, that was pretty special, but I started there and then I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. So I'm just kind of waiting outside class here. And the coach calls me right after tells me I'm, they're bringing me in, blah, 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 blah. And um, yeah, I just had to go in and tell my sign language teacher I was leaving. And she was like, well, it's not excused. So I'm like, oh, sick. Great. Well, I get to go play for hockey, but I'm getting a C minus now in sign language. So that's cool because of attendance. But oh, yeah, mostly goes through the coaches, the coaches, and then your current coach will call. And then, um, yeah, the, the new coach will call. And then you got your most action, you know, uh, you saw your most action kind of directly after college in the 18-19 season between the SP and the ECHL. How did that work out and how did that lead you to Danbury after that season? Yeah, no, I I always kind of laugh about that too. I was like, yeah, I really didn't get to start playing. Like my first year as a true starter was like my first year pro. So um, that was awesome. Honestly, that was uh, – probably just one of the easier seasons for me to play because I was in there all the time. And uh, I got, I got called to the ECHL that year too. I think when I came back from that, I struggled a little bit. Things got a little bit more difficult. I felt like because I was coming back from the ECHL, maybe I had a little bit of entitlement. I thought I was just going to get my net back, but my goalie partner was playing really, really well. The team was playing well in front of them. So I didn't really get in there right away. So now I kind of started feeling like, sorry for myself. Like, Oh, like what the heck? Like, I was on an eight game heater before I got called up and like now, you know, I'm second fiddle. Like, am I getting punished for taking a call up? Like that's what this is all about, blah, blah, blah. And, but it's really more of just like at the end of the day, like if he's playing well, he's going to play. And that's the nature of the beast. You know, in a way you're even taking a call up, you're opening the door for your, for someone else to kind of come in and steal the show a little bit. Right. So um, I think that was tough. But uh, then going into the offseason, there's co- some coaching changes in Fayetteville. 
I had some conversations with Evansville. Things uh, seemed to look like it was going to be a good fit. And then uh, long story short, he cut me out of camp. So kind of when that was kind of like a shell shocker for me and kind of, uh, again, one of those humbling moments, just like here I am thinking, oh, first year pro, full year in one spot, had a call up. Here we go. Like, let's take off. And now I'm getting cut from an SP team out of camp when everyone has their goalies, everyone's healthy. So I kind of went back to school just to skate with the team and stay ready, waited around for a little bit. And I was like, well, this isn't really helping me, you know, not plan. Like at least, you know, and I, at that point I was speaking with my goalie coach and some other people. And um, it probably made more sense for me to at least be playing games somewhere than, uh, you know, just sitting at school being a college kid, not in college. So um, Danbury gave me a call and I really got along well with Billy and really liked, you know, just his attitude and his vibe and kind of, uh, you know, the opportunity that I was going to, you know, be given there. And um, yeah, Danbury to this day, probably one of my favorite, favorite group of guys I've ever played with. And um, as shit as that season was like the way it ended, it was probably one of the most fun seasons that I, I've had to date. So it was, it was awesome. We got there. Um, when I got there, the team hadn't won a game <laughs> and uh, we, we went on a hot streak. The boys started winning. We had, a, again, just a great group of guys, like great players coming in, everyone gelling. It was just one of those, like, I've, I've never won a championship, but I've gotten to the finals many, many times. Yeah. So but it was just like one of those, it just felt like, okay, every time, like, like things were just always falling in line for us. Like, Oh, we'd get a new guy and he'd be like a great player. And then he'd be a great guy and he'd fit right in. And just like everything, like just seemed to kind of work out and um, fall into place for us. But, uh, and I was a little, I was up and down like a little bit. Uh, I was there for like 10 games and I think I got called to Peoria. Um, But then I came back and yeah um awesome group of guys and um i just think it was an awesome city awesome place to play too let me ask you something um just looking back kind of kind of looking back on that year does it feel like does it feel like you guys were going in the right direction there at the end of the year i mean the 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 crowds at the end of the year are kind of approaching what we have now people knew the games were back uh, the team, obviously the team had been, uh, Danbury had been on hiatus from the federal hockey league. Did it, did you really, did it really feel like you guys were on, were on the way? I mean, it was a great, it, it was a great, we have a lot of nice guys here, but it was a great group of guys that first year for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, all the pieces were just coming together on the ice and then, yeah, every game more and more, you just felt like more and more people knew about what was going on. Kind of like you said, like the, the people were like, um, people were starting to catch on and we're obviously we're winning too. So they're hearing that we're winning and all this stuff. And each game, there's more and more people in the stands and they're getting rowdier and rowdier. And now we're throwing carrots on the ice and people are going batshit crazy in the, in the crowd. And the boys are fighting at home just because they want to. And like we're up five, one, but we're still fighting. Like just, Oh, we were just like a wagon of a team on and off the ice the fans were a wagon still are like just everything about the atmosphere and like the energy and the building for games and just like the energy in our room kind of was like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to win one. 
Like, I think there wasn't a single guy in that locker room that didn't think we were going to win it all that year. What did, you know, being from Michigan, uh, what did you know about the federal hockey league before you, you had made the rounds in, you know, in college hockey and pro hockey a little bit, even before you got here, what did you know about the fed? I really didn't know nothing to be honest (laughs) with you. Um, It's uh, I, I did. I was told real early, Hey, it's like, um, you're going to get a lot of shots and you're going to, you can't get worried about goals against. That was one thing I was told. You can't get worried. You can't get strung up about on giving four or five goals up a game because it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of chances, a lot of scoring chances, a lot of odd man rushes, breakaways, two on O's, you name it. And that was, I think the one thing as a, that I was warned, like, Hey, there's going to be games you're going to give up four or five goals, but you might win those games eight to five. Like that shit will happen. So I think that was the biggest thing. I didn't really know anything else like other than that, to be honest, that was kind of all I had going in. And I was really just kind of leaning on, you know, Billy and all that stuff to just kind of see how things were going. And I felt like Danbury things were ran pretty well. And of course there's fed stuff that happens. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like everywhere. That's why it's fed. But um, for the most part, like it was a lot of fun. I think just, again, the, the guys, like I feel like the lower you play, the better the guys are because they're just that, but they're there that much more for just the love of the game and being with the boys and, yeah. you know, money, you're not there for the money. So yeah. just uh, it was, it was just so much fun. We just had so much fun. Take us through a little bit of your journey. I mean, we can probably, I could probably summarize, you know, the next season was the COVID season. There were only four teams kind of messing around in the Fed. Only three of them were actually playing home games. Uh, and then you were with Elmira for most of that time. But then you ended up uh, with Macon in the SPHL. Mm-hmm. So take us take us through the, the, the last couple of years, you know, post-COVID, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, post-COVID, I played that year in Elmira, that shortened season. Um that was just an interesting experience just because we were on loan. So we could kind of negotiate and go to whoever and Carter Shankurik, who was with me and Danbury at the time, and we are roomies and all this good stuff. We were kind of like, we we're like, Oh, we're going to be a package deal. Like he's <laughs> the best, he's the best forward in the league. I'm the best goal in the league. We're going wherever we want together and talk to all the teams and, um, every team offered chinks. I'll, I'll be honest. The only team that didn't offer me was Columbus said they already had their goalies. And I was like, you guys are messing up right now. You guys are messing up big, but it paid off. They ended up beating us in the final. But, uh, what took us to Elmira is we were able to bring the most rabbits with us. That was literally our deciding factor as we want. They were like, what's pretty much like, what's it going to take to get you and chinks coming? We're like, let us bring more rabbits. like we want to bring some rabbits because we because even that year if you saw our roster i don't know if there is a roster anywhere of that season that where danbury was gonna play and then folded yeah well there was the leonard that roster was a wagon yeah there's like six of those six of those guys are like full-timers in the coast now like that that team would have steamrolled everybody that year it was actually insane we were gonna be grow. we would we would have gone back to back for sure um but yeah so then went to Elmira that was a good time again at that point you're just happy to be playing games again um went to Macon at the end of that year and then started the year the next year 
that was, you know, Macon was going through a big transition at that point. I was the only returner from the year before returner. I say that I was called up for like a week during the Elmira year. Didn't play a game. Um, got sent right back down. And then they brought me back for playoffs. Didn't again, didn't play. So I didn't even play, but I was technically there. So they called me a returner. And I was the only returner from that year where they went to the finals during COVID and lost. Ever the the rest of the team was in the coast. So we have a brand new locker room. I'm the only guy who has half a clue what's going on. It was um, there's just a lot of moving parts, a lot of new stuff going on, management change. And uh, we weren't very good to say the least. But I again got an opportunity to be back in the SP. I saw a lot of shots. And I knew if we were going to win, it was because I was going to stand on my head. And that's kind of what happened. I mean, we were that first, I think I was two and nine. Wow. <laughs> Something like that. Two and nine. That was, uh, I played, I think, on like the 27th, right after Christmas in Huntsville. And then I got called up to Kansas City. Um, and that was the end of my, I guess, SP run. But um, yeah, two and nine. But I think I had like a nine, two some say percentage or something, nine, two, nine. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Went to Kansas city. I think I was in Kansas city for a couple weeks, maybe gotten one game <laughs> team played sick in front of me. We, we shelled Tulsa and Tulsa and like an afternoon game, like seven to one. <laughs> and which makes it not like we came right out and bang, 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 like scored. So I'm like, Ooh, little run sport. We're chilling. Like first time kind of back in the coast since my first year pro, and I played a really strong game. Um, I fit in really well with the guys there right away, which was nice. I think for me, being a personality guy and a glue guy, like if I can kind of feel comfortable right away in the locker room and kind of show my true self, it's a going to show the guys what kind of teammate I am and help make them want to you know battle battle in front of me that much harder. But it's going to help me be more comfortable and play better. I think in the net as well. And uh, I was able to do that there, had a good for one game. Unfortunately, uh, you know, in the ECHL, you're always dealing with contracts, especially as a goalie. And uh, their contracted goalies came back, so I didn't have room to keep me. Luckily for me, I, you know, made a good a good first impression. So rather than sending me back down to make them, they traded me. Um, Rapid City traded for me. And then that's when I went there for, you know, kind of the rest of that year before I kind of went on the crazy run. And I got got to ask as well, including in that season, you made it up to the AHL with the Henderson team. Um, Tell us kind of how you got there and what that experience was like. Yeah. um, You know, at that point I was, I was happy to be getting, I was happy to be getting traded. Uh, I was like, I was happy to be, you know, I had always felt like I could be a stud in the coast and and play in the American league. And um, just, uh, I always felt like I could be there and be a regular there at those levels. And, um, so I was happy that I wasn't just getting sent down and that I was getting another opportunity somewhere. And, uh, I went into rapid and kind of same thing. I just showed up in Wichita with my bag and kind of went bopping into the room. Like, what's up boys. And they all kind of just felt my energy, I guess, right away and loved it. And I was just right away. Just everyone, just the team goofball, like <laughs> any, anything I said or did guys thought was funny. And, um, just, I fit in really well there and we had a really good group of guys there too. Um, Brett Gravel was actually a guy who uh, was playing there at the time as well, who I played with in Elmira 
So that was like another guy. I was like, Oh, I get to go hang out with gravy. And I lived with gravy um, when, when we were in Elmira. So I'm like, Oh, this is going to, that made it a little bit easier too, like to, to have a really good buddy on the team already. Um, just, he already knew what kind of a clown I was. So like, you can't really hide, right? Like you just, right. there's already someone here who knows exactly who you are. So like, just be exactly who you are. Like no need to be nervous or shy. Um, and, uh, I got hot there too. Like we had a good team, really good. Uh, yeah. A really good team that year. All uncontracted guys too, which is pretty unusual in the coast, but we were just super tight knit and, um, I think I rattled off nine straight wins in the coast. Everybody, my, like, on, everybody was on contract. Everyone was on ECHL contracts. We wow. didn't have one NHL or American league contracted player other than my two goalie partners. Wow. Um, uh, we had a guy who was on, he was on a contract with, uh, LA Kings and another guy, um, on a NHL deal with Arizona. So, um, but other than that, yeah, everyone was on an East coast deal. So we're all kind of the, like, you know, no one's there thinking about their call up or this or that. Like you're all there because you want to win, you want to win for rapid city and you want to win, you know, a Kelly cup championship. Right. Like, so we're all on the same page there. And, uh, at that point I'm just playing with swagger and confidence. And I, I, you know, even in making going two and nine, I'm like, I, I'm, I was balling every game. So I'm just like, was just kind of riding this wave of confidence and swagger and, uh, went nine and zero in the coast, and I was like, I got to be getting a look here. Like, I'm, and I, I was more so at a chip on my shoulder because I hadn't won goalie of the week yet. I had one goalie of the month, and granted, I wasn't playing every game, um, but every game I was playing, I was winning. Like, I was in there every weekend. Like, I'd maybe play, you know, one week and I'd play one of two or one of three. The next week, and I'm playing two of three. Right? Like, we were just kind of rotating. So I, at this point, every week. I was just getting more and more pissed off. I'm like, how the fuck haven't I won goalie of the week? How am I not even like a nomination for goalie of the month? Like, why are these guys still sleeping on me? And I kind of just used it to feed it. I'm like, these guys are still looking at me like uh, a fed goalie or an SP goalie. Like, and like this, like that's BS. Like I deserve some recognition. So I just kind of let it fuel me. And um, eventually both my goalie partners came back. And it was kind of to a point where they're like, Hey, like you're playing great, but we have contracts we have to play. So I was getting scratched. Um, and at that point, again, you know, I still had a really good attitude. I loved my team. I was more so happy that I didn't have to worry about getting shipped around again. I didn't really want to continue. You know, I really felt like I found a home and a team um, in rapid city and I didn't want to have to jump to another team somewhat late in the year. And, um, go through all that again or get sent back down to the SB. So even if I was third pony, I was happy to just at least I was like, Hey, I've proven myself here at the coast and I'm sticking here. Like that's, that's great. And both of my guys were on contracts. So there's things happen. They're going to get called up and ultimately I'm playing unreal. So when it comes time to win a championship, they're going to play that. Like I've, I've given them no choice kind of deal. Um, but it was right at that point too, where Henderson needed a goalie and uh, yeah, long story short, I got the call and I was actually, it was funny. I was getting scratched and the boys were going on the road and I was getting scratched and left at home. <laughs> and then I get a call saying I'm getting called to the American league. Um, and that happened in a hurry. Like at that point I was kind of just in a little bit of shell shock, just uh, like, damn, like, heck yeah. Like you find Like there's that recognition I've been waiting for. And, uh, 
you know, I knew my parents were going to be, you know, dumbfounded and super excited. So I called them and it happened pretty quick. I think um, getting in the games too, like was, uh, it couldn't have happened any better way. When they, when they called, no one mentioned anything about me playing at all. Like not even a lick, like my coach, the, their coach, the GM, when you, cause it was kind of the same deal. My coach called me, said, Hey, Henderson's going to call you. I think you're going up, blah, blah, blah. And then now you're waiting. I'm like just walking laps around my apartment and it's almost, I wonder, I always wonder if they like are toying with it. Cause he probably waited like 40 minutes after I heard from my coach to give me a call. And I'm like, dude, it's falling through. It's right. not happening. And he calls finally. And then the, the, the GM will call and then the head coach will call and then the goalie coach will call. And at this point I'm just like panicking cause I got to get packed and I got a flight in like a couple hours. And, um, uh, um, I think actually, no, the way it happened was I flew out the next morning, met the team in San Diego on a Friday and, uh, we had a home and home with San Diego and I backed up Friday night and, uh, in San Diego. And then we bust back after that to Henderson and we played, Hey, that's enough. Sorry. Got a dog huh. over here. Um, and, uh, we played at home against San Diego Saturday night, still no word really of me playing and we get off of the bus and I'm honestly at this point, I don't think I'm playing. <laughs> like, I really don't think I'm playing goalie coach calls all of us over. And he's like, Hey, like we don't know the plan yet. Or at that point it was just me and one other guy, uh, one other goalie who were, who were there. He's like, yeah, we'll let you guys know what the plan is. I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm walking away from him telling me that I'm like, I know there's no way I'm playing thinking like they haven't even really seen me play. Like I flew in today. They saw me in a, uh, a warm-up that I was back, a, a pregame warm-up that I was backing up in. So, you know, I maybe took 12 shots and I'm probably getting shelled, you know, <laughs> cause anytime, like anytime the backup's in there, that's when guys just start ripping pucks. So I'm like, I can't imagine like they're going to play me and didn't hear anything the next morning. Didn't hear anything. So I'm going to lunch and at this point, I'm like, ah, okay, I haven't heard anything. I'm probably not playing. And then I get a text at like noon saying, hey, you're in. Congrats. Like, have fun with it and good luck. And instant sweats and panic <laughs> come across me at, <laughs> at the <clears throat> lunch table. And uh, I was definitely a little nervous, but very excited. And my parents were excited. And once I got there, I was kind of like, this is uh, – it really, once it settled in, it was just like that initial panic, but then it's kind of like, I really didn't feel nervous at all. And, um, I think throughout that whole first game, I probably one of the more relaxed games I've ever felt like emotionally and whatnot. And, and all of my career, probably just, I was so calm, but I think my mindset was just like, you've got nothing to lose. Mm. Literally less than a year ago, you were playing in the federal hockey league. And you, all you wanted was an opportunity to like test your game at this level. So now you get to see where your game's at at this level. And if anything, it's just cool to get to see where you're at. Um, and uh, I played well, we won in a shootout. And then the next, I ended up kind of sneaking out greasing out a couple extra starts. <laughs> Cause uh, well, like the next game was like on a Wednesday um, after I won in the shootout on that Saturday, I was supposed to back up and there's an injury in Vegas. And this kind of like was my first little taste of shit, how fast it can happen, at least up there. And we're 
going to the rink, like we're pulling up to the rink to warm up for this game. We're back in San Diego and goalie coach calls myself, uh, Patera, who's the goalie, the starter there at, at this time. And then, um, uh, Isaiah Seville, who had just joined us a day before. Um, and he was on, he had just finished college. He was like a draft pick, um, who just finished his college season. And now he was joining us for probably the rest of the year. And they call us all three over and they're like, Hey, there's an injury to Versailles in Vegas. Uh, Patty, you're out, you're scratched. Cause you're our only contracted goalie. You're probably going up tomorrow. Um, DK, you're starting now. And Seville, you're going to back up now. Seville was supposed to just be in the stands, like kind of getting a feel for it. Yeah. I was supposed to back up and Patty was supposed to play. And now all this shit turns. Patty goes up the next day. I played really, really well. We lost, um, but I only gave up two. We, we lost 3-1. They got an empty netter and I, I played very well. Um, so now I'm like, okay, I've played two games in the American League. One's a win. One's a sick game. Like I'm starting to get a little cocky. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like now I'm also, okay. It's me and a college kid who's never played a game. I called my mom. I was like, I'm a starter. I'm kind of, I'm the starter in the American league right now. Like, <laughs> I don't know how the hell this just happened, but my goalie partner is now in the NHL and I'm all they have. <laughs> like, so it's like, if something else happens, bang, there goes donkey up there to the show. So like, um, it was just very, just crazy and kind of just um, at that point, I'm just kind of riding the wave and riding the high of it all and having fun with it. Um, that third game was humbled a little bit. You can't, you can't take penalties in the American league. They, you just can't do it. <laughs> you can't give up. Uh, you can't give up power plays cause they'll, they'll make you pay for them. We lost like six, three with like four power play goals. Oh. Like, yeah, like I over half the goals I gave up when I was up there were were power play goals, but. You know, this um, is all particularly impressive considering that, like, you're getting scratched and left home in Henderson, which is very much like the, essentially the Las Vegas metropolitan area. Very much, right? You're like right there. Oh, yeah. Vegas, oh, like, yeah. Probably very tempting to go messing around if you know you're not going to play, huh? Yeah. I mean, we had some fun. Like, I think playing in Henderson definitely made playing in the American League like added a whole nother element because it's like, it's not like you're just going to a dive bar with the boys. You're going to going to the strip, <laughs> like like the Vegas strip, you know. And that's pretty much like where you go out because that's where you live. So it was, uh, and just for me too, like the the money jump from every league is insane. You know, you might have guys in the ECHL on one ways or an NHL deal, like an entry level deal, but you go to the American League, you got guys making multiple million dollars a year. You're like, holy shit, dude. You're like looking at him like, oh, my God, just look at him like he's green or something. Just, just you know, because I've played with guys in the Fed who are making 50 bucks a week. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Definitely so were. it's like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> um, Yeah. I mean, there's in the AHL at that level. Draft picks down there getting their feet wet. I mean, just at the time that you were playing, I mean, I could be off. But like, who was a rookie that year? Was that like that wasn't Shane Wright, was it? No, um, like who would have been in the AHL that season? Like as a with, top with pick? Vegas, yeah. Like no, well, either with Vegas or even throughout league wide. Like who could have? Yeah, been, yeah. You know, I mean, who were the point leaders that season? Are these, um, you know, well, I know like one a guy who's he's a good buddy of mine now, but uh, Paul Cotter was in the American League at that point. He's he's a full time NHLer now. Won a cup last year with Vegas, but 
Um, he was there. I'm trying to think who else would have been there. I played San Diego three times. We played Arizona um, when I was there, and we played. Uh, oh, Skinner. Oh Stuart yeah, Stuart Skinner. Oh, yeah, I played against Stuart Skinner. Uh, I played against Dostal, who's in Anaheim now. He's the back of in Anaheim. Um, who else? I mean, yeah, Bakersfield was a wagon that year. They were good. Yeah. They probably had some weapons for sure. But yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Like it's even even down here, it's just cool seeing. Uh, you know, it's it's getting harder and harder. There's just contracts everywhere, and uh, it's it's cool to see some of these guys play and whatnot, and um, especially these young prospects and the talent that they have. It's it's pretty neat. And the last couple of seasons, up until right up now, you're with you're with Kansas City, right? So what's what's the setup now? Are you are you playing a lot down there? What what's the season been like for you guys this season? Uh, it's been honestly a bit of a grind of a season so far for me. Uh, if I'm being honest, a little up and down where, uh, I'll start by saying the team's a wagon where we are playing our 18th game, I think on Wednesday and I want, we're 16 or 15 and three. So, or 14 and three. So we're, we're off to a really good start. Um, I started the year high. I started, I played the first two games of the year. One started the year three and oh, personally. And then, um, pretty much, uh, I, I would argue there's easily less than 20 probably ECHL contracted goalies in the league now. Um, it's just just the way it is. Uh, draft picks, contracts. So um, we've uh, we've got some guys down. So I've kind of been in and out of the lineup, I guess, a little bit to just say the least. I started the year playing, started the year well, 3-0, and then I was out of the lineup probably for like the last three-ish, four weeks maybe. So, yeah, three or four weeks, and then – I played this last Saturday, actually played. Okay. Um, just, you know, it's tough when you're not in there all the time. Didn't play my best. I'd say probably C plus B minus, but, um, you know, I would say that was probably as, as a team, we probably played about a, a C plus as well. So it is what it is. Um, I'm in and out of the lineup. That's, and, and I know that's how it's going to be because that's just how the league is with contracts and guys up and down and, um, you know, ultimately, like, I love Kansas City. I really love the group of guys we have here. And, um, you know, I've uh, definitely found a home here. So I'm uh, committed to riding the waves and um, doing kind of whatever the team needs me uh, at, at this point, whether that's playing and winning games, which I'm very capable of doing, or, um, you know, being a good teammate. And, you know, obviously being in Kansas City, um you may stay away from this kind of stuff, but I, I got to ask anyway. Um, do you and the boys kind of go out to any barbecue spots? Yeah, barbecue. Barbecue spots out there. When we went to, oh, yeah. Yeah, we we say this on every other episode. When we went to Carolina, um, in the four days that we were there, we ate at about six barbecue spots. So, wow. Yeah. What, what's happening in Kansas City, man? Yeah, man. There's some good barbecue. And I'll be honest, I'm actually a a big barbecuer myself. I oh. I have a smoker on my balcony. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So I'm kind of the, the team meat guy for sure. I'm, I'm the man with the meats. Uh, <laughs> we, we actually, we actually just did a little team like friends giving last night and I smoked the brisket for us, but uh, Q39 is a really, really good one um, in Kansas city. I want to say it's slaps barbecue is, is another one. Uh, and there's, I know Travis Kelsey has a video out there of something like his top five um around but there's so much yeah so much good barbecue it's pretty cool 
it's a fun city to be in too. It's, uh, you know, not every city in the ECHL is a pleasure to be in. And I definitely think Kansas city is one of those cities that at least it's a fun place to play. They take very good care of us here. We have really nice apartments and, um, but you have a city, like you have a nightlife, there's stuff to do and it's a nice area. So, so the um, rink is in independence or Kansas city, the rinks in independence and we live in independence too, but like down in, and that's Missouri, but like downtown Kansas city is like 20 to 30 minutes away. Uh-huh. Like it's a quick, pretty quick Uber ride. And like, like if you're going to like the power and light district, that's probably like 30 minutes. Um, that's kind of where like the, you know, everyone goes to watch the chiefs games. The Chiefs stadium is kind of just outside of Kansas city. That's actually probably closer to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, everything's, it's, it's pretty close. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> Well, Dylan, thank you for coming on again, man. And obviously, best of luck to you this week against Worcester. Best of luck, buddy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.